mindfulness mode. Some of us don't even know that we've settled for mediocre friendships that where we don't feel met, we don't feel seen, we don't feel like they actually know who we really are. Welcome to Mindfulness Mode. So good to have you here. I'm going to read something I received from one of my listeners just yesterday, and I get lots of emails from listeners. Keep them coming. Send them to bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. I always appreciate hearing from you. And this listener is from Kentucky, USA, and she said... I would like to thank you for all the hard work you put into your podcast. I've been listening for about a year after starting my journey to better mindfulness. And she said, my mindfulness practice has gradually taken me into meditation, which I have found so beneficial. Thank you and have a wonderful holiday season. And I wish that for you as well. And thank you so much for the message. And to all of you, have a great season. Whatever country you're in, whatever you celebrate, have a great season as we move into this uh, time of transition. And I'm so excited for you to hear today's podcast. I'm so excited for the new work I'm doing with hypnosis. So stay tuned. Uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode, Mindful Tribe. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness here on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Mindful Tribe, you know, we always talk about mindfulness, but we often talk about relationships and how mindfulness can play a role in those relationships. And I have the relationship guy with me today. He's going to talk about what he's doing to help people with their relationships and how absolutely passionate he is and determined he is to make a huge difference in this world when it comes to relationships. I have Jason Gaddis with me today. Hey, Jason, are you in mindfulness? mode today? Uh, I am, Bruce. I'm psyched to be here. Great, and I'm psyched to have you here. It's absolutely awesome to have you on the show, and I just want to share just a bit more about you, Jason, with Mindful Tribe. Jason Gaddis is an author, podcaster, he's a speaker, an entrepreneur, and he's also founder of the Relationship School. It's an impact-based company dedicated to helping people work out their differences and have fulfilling long-term partnerships. He's on a mission to reach 1 million teens and young adults with formal relationship education. And he's the creator of Interpersonal Intelligence. And he trains people how to be relational leaders and coaches. So we're going to dig in and talk to you all about relationships and how mindfulness plays a role. But first, tell us what mindfulness means to you, Jason. Yeah, Bruce, thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, I think mindfulness is like the ability to be with one's experience and be with one's, that, that includes thoughts, feelings, sensations, and um, yeah, make, like slow down enough to be aware of that and, and then make choices from that place. Well, we make choices every day and a lot of those choices determine whether we end up in great relationships or not so great relationships. What do we have to do to have the most meaningful relationships possible? How do we truly tell if we're fulfilled, challenged, and inspired in our relationships, Jason? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the feedback is, is in the proof is in the pudding, so to speak, that if you feel that way, then chances are you're probably on the right track and having a good experience uh, in partnership, friendship, family relationships. 
And if not, there's something off in your relational life, then that's all that is, is feedback to try to help you pay attention to it and do something about it. And so how big a role does intimacy play, and I really mean sex, in personal relationships, you know, our intimate relationships? How big a role does our sex life play in that? Uh, a big role, I think, in a long-term partnership, you know, in a in a plutonic uh, relationship, obviously, it's a little different. Uh, for dating, you know, se- I mean, sex is, we're wired to make love and reproduce, so it's just a part of our lives. And and it's a complicated part of our lives, very complicated. And in a long-term relationship, I think it can get even more challenging um, for people. And it's I, I think it's essential as, um, I don't know, as a uh, barometer of how your relationship is doing. And uh, I don't subscribe to the, you know, sex has to be X times a week camp, but I do um, encourage people to stay awake here because it's in a long-term relationship, it's easy to become roommates and um, co-parents and cohabitate, but but sort of not have a vibrant sex life. And I I just, I, it's like, okay, you can get by in life, but I, th- I think you're missing out on uh, a lot of beautiful experiences and you're missing out on a lot of learning, honestly. Well, you mentioned how complicated it is. So let's dig in. What are some of those complications? How do we sort things out? How do we, you know, if we've been in a long-term relationship, how do we sort of simplify things so that it doesn't seem so complicated? Yeah, well, I think your work shows us that um, if we can be aware, self-aware and mindful of our inner life and our partner's inner life, we're going to be a lot more successful um, because the, if we're going to, let's say the end game is sex or having a sex, vibrant sex life, then we need to deal with the scared animal, what I call the scared animal living inside of us, which is the part of us that gets triggered and activated with a facial expression, a tone of voice, um, a lack of contact through text. You don't text me back. I start to get anxious and upset. There's all these things that um, get in the way of us having a deeper connection. And none of it's a problem if you're growing and developing yourself. But if you're not paying attention, you're, you're going to fall back into your fantasies about how relationships should be. And when you or the other person becomes difficult, you're going to think it's about the person or, oh, I picked the wrong person. And it has nothing to do with that. A long-term relationship is inherently work. It's challenging. It brings up the best and worst in us, and that's as it should be. And we need we got to learn how to work with all of that rich material if we want to have a good relationship. And if we don't, we're gonna you know keep struggling. Jason, I meet so many different people that I coach in mindfulness, and and of course it reveals to me that you know, there's just every type of relationship out there imaginable. How important is it to be monogamous in your relationship? Because of course, there are people who live very happy, successful lives who agree to not be monogamous. What are your views on that? Yeah, it's important if it's important to you. If you value monogamy, then great. If you don't, no big deal. Um, it, it sort of depends on what you want, right? Um, I, I value monogamy for my life, but I don't try to superimpose that on anyone else if that's not true for them. But I, I certainly like it as a crucible, uh, this, the container of only one person. My wife and I are raising two kids. Um, we're a really good team, and I think it's endlessly fascinating to 
explore the the ends of the earth with this woman. Um, and when we get in snags to learn and to work through them and become stronger. And I, I think it's, for me, it's just, it's unbelievable. So I, I love that frame and I, I live it in my own life, but I, you know, I think each of us has to decide if that's right for us. Jason, I know that you're passionate about schools and what they do or do not do for our youth. You say that schools create robots and drones instead of empowered people. What can we do to fix that? How can we move forward and and step by step improve the way things are as far as our education is concerned so that it will help us have better relationships in our lives? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot I could say here. Um, I think uh, one of my podcast guests, Bonnie Badnock, said connection before curriculum, which to me means let's have a, a real genuine connection with each student uh, from the teacher or the mentor or the teachers, I think is essential to have kids feel safe in their bodies, safe in their nervous system so that they can then actually learn. Um, when kids are stressed out from all the demands in life and the screens and everything we got going on these days, and the teacher has 35 kids in the class, you know, kids are just not able to be present in that environment. And then they have stress from home and then they, they're just told to regurgitate facts and useless information and memorize things. That That's creating, again, um, slaves and robots to just be worker bees in society. And, and you know, sure, we ner- need some of those people, but to create empowered human beings, we've got to reach kids at, in smaller classrooms. We've got to have an actual relationship with them. And then we got to find out what they want to learn about and do values-based learning. So all kids are inherently curious and learn. You know, no kid needs to get motivated to learn what they care about. They do need to get motivated to learn what we care about and what we put on them. Um, so if we can, you know, uh, teach to their values uh, and keep them inspired about learning, there's no problem, you know. And I think I think we could have a quite a different world. So Jason, I'm curious, what do you what are your own children involved in as far as learning? Are they in a public system? Are they homeschooled? What are you doing to make sure they are empowered? Yeah, so we started out um, homeschooling many years ago, um, and now we're we were in a Waldorf school. Now we're in COVID in this recording, so it's it's gotten interesting. But uh, my son is in a Waldorf school, um, a very hands-on, you know, amazing place where I feel incredibly blessed that we get to go there. So that's a private school. My daughter was there, but this year she's we've got a learning pod for her, so she's with five girls and a Waldorf-inspired teacher. And the, we just rotate the home every month and who's, which parent's hosting, which family is hosting it. And it's been unbelievable for her. Uh, she's more on the shy side. So her, she had 27 kids in her class and now she's got five and she gets a lot of attention. And, and it's a, you can see the difference in how she is every day. Um, and, you know, we, we, our kids love to learn. So it's like, yeah, who are they and what do they want to learn about? Um, and yeah, let's get some of the basics down. And they know how to learn. That's what's cool about Waldorf is, uh, they teach kids how to learn. And I never, um, I never learned how to learn until I was in graduate school. And I, I had to figure that out myself. So there's a, there's a huge gap, right? Yeah. Yeah. Jason, I know that we can learn more about you at relationship school 
Com, and you set up this relationship school. And I'm very curious. One of the things you talk about in relation to your relationship school is that we all wear masks. What is the mask that you were wearing back at the time when you decided to set up this school and you realized that, hey, you needed to rip off this mask? Can you dig in and, and tell us a bit about that? Yeah, sure. It goes, it goes a little further back than when I started the relationship school. I was in my 20s and I was, you know, I, I sort of learned how to get acceptance by being um, whatever you wanted me to be, whatever the friend group wanted me to be. So depending on the context and the group of people I was with, I would sort of change like a chameleon to try to fit in to what got me acceptance and love and approval, right? Um, and And I was disconnected from who I really was, which was I was sensitive, I was emotional, I was empathic. I cared a lot about relationships, but in male culture, I, I felt like there wasn't a lot of room for that. I was trying to be a tough guy and, um, I was in a college fraternity and, and then, um, I was having a lot of short lived relationships with women and it was challenging for me. And I, I had a lot of friends, but I was sort of depressed and anxious on the inside and I was wearing a mask, as you say, uh, so no one really knew, right, what was actually going on with me. I just knew I was in pain and something was wrong. Um, but I didn't quite know how to address it, and I wasn't willing to look in the mirror yet. I was still kind of like, I'm fine. And I would drink a lot and use a lot of drugs, and I would do a lot of extreme sports. And so I, I had enough distractions in my life to, to not have to face my pain, right? Not enough privilege to not really look at all the ways in which I was being an asshole or um, unavailable and... And then eventually I, I cracked and realized that I was kind of um, the big problem in my all my relationships. I was the one common denominator. And that was at age 29, and I decided to go figure myself out. Went to grad school, studied psychology, and became a therapist. And many years later, you know, I met my wife in grad school. And many years later, um, just learned at the core of so many of our problems is relationships and conflict in particular. Uh, and I wanted to, you know, serve and help make a difference. Do you have a passion to help uh, men more than women or vice versa? That's a good question. I, I used to. I, I actually ran a company called Revolutionary Man for a number of years and um, tried desperately to help men because I, I think men are a little behind relationally than, than women. Um, and part of that's our conditioning and part of that's our brain and how we learn. Uh, but uh, I... I'm super passionate about men, but I, I care most about anyone now who just wants to change their life, love deeper, learn how to work through conflict, make this world a better place by, by being a better listener. And uh, so that could be men or women. Um, women typically lead here more. And so you see more women, say, listening to my podcast than men. But I'll, I'll always be passionate about helping men um, because we're a little more locked up here. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've seen you in videos that you've created and, and I noticed in one that you're sort of wearing an army fatigue kind of sweater and you're kind of, you just come across as if to me, I felt like you were talking to guys yeah. and maybe you weren't necessarily, but it just kind of felt like that. So when you do your work, do you do one-on-one -on -one? With men, women, do you one-on-one, -on -one, do you uh, talk to couples and coach them? Show, tell us what it's like at relationship school and, and what you do. 
Yeah, well, I, I, um, I used to be a psychotherapist. I transitioned to coaching virtually many years ago so that I could reach more people, and I started doing groups. Uh, and I loved, I used to run men's groups. I ran couples groups, mixed gender groups, because um, I, I wanted to, I got pissed off that people weren't doing their homework on the one-on-one -on -one work, right? And I was like, Ugh. So I was trying to find creative ways to hold people accountable. And in mm -hmm. groups, you can hold people accountable more than you can one-on-one, -on -one. And like CrossFit, right? CrossFit's very popular because the, the, you rely on the group to kind of hold you accountable and push you to the next level. And groups are really amazing that way. So I started lengthening my courses from 90 days to eventually six months, and then eventually the Relationship School, which is a nine-month course, our main course, which is kind of like the class you never got in school. So that, you know, sometimes we have 50 people going through that course. Sometimes we have 10. It sort of depends. And I don't work too much with individuals or couples now because I'm so busy running a business and teaching all these classes that I run. Um, we do live events. We just did a live event with over 200 people and about, honestly, almost, almost half were couples. Um, Probably a third of the people there were couples, and it was virtually, so you could, you know, anyone from the, across the world could do it. And, you know, what I love is the women, some of the women would bring their guy in who didn't really want to be there, but by the end of the event, he's pretty psyched because, like you were saying, I can connect with men and I know how to, I know how to reach them. Uh, so I, I'm mostly teaching in, in workshop settings, and I'm also training relationship coaches. That's most of my time is spent doing that now. So you talked about homework and that people are hesitant to do the homework. Can you dig in and tell us a little bit about what that homework is like? What does it look like sometimes? Yeah, sure. So um, let's say I give you a homework assignment, Bruce, and, and you're complaining about your wife or your partner. And I'm like, well, it's, it seems, you know, we identify part of the problem is you're not a great listener in conflict. You're a great listener at work. You're a great listener with your friends. But with your intimate partner, you under stress, you're you're compromised, right? Like most of us are. So I start giving you a couple of exercises that you can try um, to, and then I, I ask you, I challenge you between now and next time you meet with one person and you practice the skill and then get feedback. How did it go? And then practice it with your intimate partner. And if you do enough reps, you know, I, I definitely make my students practice. And if they do enough reps, they get it. And it starts to become kind of second nature. That's very interesting. So what kind of cost is involved to be part of the relationship school? It depends. You know, we, we have a free podcast. We have lots of other free resources people can do. Um, the relationship school podcast, you know, over 300 episodes. Um, and then we have everything from a $7. I have a $1 product you can buy on just a meditation on conflict when you get in a fight, when you're triggered, all the way up to a $10,000 course training you to become a relationship coach. And kind of everything in between. So, so it sort of depends on a person's level of inspiration, their financial resources, um, how motivated they are, um, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. So there's all kinds of options. I'm going to cut in right here, Mindful Tribe, and just say, hey, can you imagine that in six weeks you might happen to just catch a glimpse of yourself in the mirror and look at yourself and think, wow, I look great. I have lost weight. I'm slimmer. I'm more fit. I feel incredible. You probably know from listening to the show that I have learned hypnosis. I am now licensed to do this. So reach out to me. 
It's a mindset thing. It's something that I can help you with. And wouldn't you feel great if you knew you could lose weight by the beginning of the year, by the new year? You know, set a goal, set a time, contact me, Bruce at mindfulnessmode.com, and I can help you put weight loss in the subject line. We'll get on a call with a free session to talk about what can be done to help you definitely lose the weight. Now, this is for you if you've tried almost everything else. If you've come to the conclusion, man, I just feel like there's no hope. I don't know what else can I can do. I must be born to be this way. Well, you know what? I lost 35 pounds using hypnosis since the beginning of the year, and you can do this kind of thing too. So contact me. I'd love to work with you. Now, back to the interview. Can you tell us an example of someone you've worked with that they really went from one extreme to another? They were having a very difficult time in their relationship and they worked through, they did some of your exercises and learned and learned and learned from you. And then it completely changed their relationship. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So uh, I'll call her Monica, um, a client who, you know, came in to because her husband was not wanting to work it out, work out the fight. And he kept saying, it's not that big of a deal. He kept minimizing. Um, and she felt really anxious and he would just shut down and withdraw and retreat, retreat to the basement. Right. Um, to turn on the TV, stare at his phone. And this went on for years and she came to see me and was like, she was very focused on him. And I was like, okay, well, let's, let's have you stop focusing so much on him take a break, stop pursuing him, stop asking him to be different. Cause she had it in her mind that if he would change, if he would just kind of get his act together, their relationship would be great. Right. Mm -hmm. That was kind of how she had it framed. And I was like, okay, that's a outside in approach. Let's try an inside out approach where we ask you to look in the mirror at your anxiety and your fear and start attending to that, um, regardless of what your husband does or doesn't do. And so she started doing that and started taking responsibility for all the things I was asking her to do. And, um, and it was powerful because, and I told her to step back from pursuing and her husband started noticing, of course, cause I was like, I was like, back off, like give him some space. And as she did that over a few weeks, he started going like, Hey, is everything okay? Like he started paying attention in a whole new way. Right. Yeah. Um, cause he didn't have the constant, like what's going on with you. And, um, and as we, you know, as we worked together, she learned more and more about herself and started standing up for herself and was, really got clear that like, you know, this, this actually doesn't work for me to be in a relationship where the other person won't work through conflict mm -hmm. with me and they won't come back around. It's fine to withdraw and retreat, but we got to come back around, right? We got to circle the wagons a day later, an hour later, you got to come back and we got to like work through whatever the challenge was and talk about it and make sure both of us feel seen and understood about it. And she got really clear, like, actually I need that, um, in order to be in a good long-term relationship. And she started saying, I'm, I'm not willing to be in a relationship where I'm the only one wanting, wanting that. And right. she eventually said, I'm done and kind of gave him the papers and was like, dude, I'm get, I'm out of here in a month. And like, again, of course, lo and behold, he finally is like, what, you know, because now his relation, he was about to be alone and he's, you know, in his late forties and he's not wanting to be alone. No. And he's like, okay within a week he's enrolling in therapy in a men's group and started to get his shit together. Um, but, and at that point it was like kind of too late. She'd already made her decision. And, um, so he got to start to grow. He lost his wife, 
but he got on the path of growth and he, he started to get his act together and he's like, I don't want to be alone. So he started looking in the mirror and then she went on and, you know, found someone else. Oh, very Pretty common dynamic. Yeah, yeah, sure. Sure, I'm sure it is very common. So I just wonder what aspects of mindfulness can help in relationships. I know a lot of people I talk to find that meditation makes a big difference in one way or another. Do you meditate? Is meditation something that you encourage your your people to do? Totally. Yeah. I, I'm not a hardcore regular meditator these days. I typically meditate um, for two reasons. One, when I have a big problem to solve <laughs> mm-hmm. or when I'm upset in some way. Um, those are the two primary times when I sit down, I got my meditation cushion over here. When I sit down and I just try to figure out what's going on with my, with me. And I try Mm -hmm. to not run from my experience and get on my phone or distract. I just slow down and go inside. And I, you know, I was trained as a Buddhist meditator and I had a teacher and I studied in a meditation community, as you probably know, for many Mm -hmm. years. So I have the ground, right? I have this ground of practice that I can quite easily return to mm-hmm. that's really there for me when I need it. You are on a mission to reach 1 million teens and young adults. How did you come up with the number 1 million and, and how are you, how are you planning to make this happen? Yeah. Um, well, I, I figured, okay, what's a ridiculous number that feels like I can't do it. And I was like, I'm going to pick that. Um, it felt, you know, 10 million maybe felt too big, but 100,000 felt kind of too small, and I was like, okay, a million feels like um, a stretch that I, I could pr- probably do. Um, in terms of how we're going to do it, you know, we, we've been in five, four or five, I think five um, high schools experimentally just to gather data. Uh, I've spoken at one high school uh, about a year ago to the entire high school. That was really powerful. And our coaches are teaching some of our tools in classes and as an elective, basically called a relationship class or a relationship, psychology of relationships class. And the kids that are there are super into it and motivated. And it's basically becomes a support group, right? For all mm-hmm. the challenges they're facing. So that's one way. The other way is that we plan on, um, you know, when we secure the funding really, and, and I have a little more bandwidth, um, that will train teachers and educators and they'll come study with us and then they'll go back to their school and hopefully infuse what they learned into their, um, the teacher body or the administration. And then hopefully it'll impact the kids. I mean, that's, that's one of the ways we want to do it. Well, you talked about high schools. What are your thoughts on education of relationships in elementary schools? Because I feel as though a lot of these thoughts and ideas are, uh, something that kids work through when they're younger than high school. Yeah, totally. I'm a, I'm a big fan. I'm, I'm like, great, let's do it. There's, there's some inherent challenges with any kid, which is if the parents aren't doing the work also, um, you know, that kid's going to feel pretty alone at home, seen at school, and harder to stick at home depending on where they're spending more time and who they're, what kind of adults they're around more. But so much of parents are not, so many parents are not doing this kind of stuff and not learning about themselves, not reflecting on their own life, not working on their own relationships. And that day in and day out goes in. And, and so you can teach a little elementary school fifth grader all you want about relationships, but if they're going home to a home that's not 
doing anything different. Uh, it's going to be hard for them to for it to stick. So, and and then it has to be a high enough value in that particular elementary school, and that all the teachers for it to really sink into the culture of the school, so it becomes part of just the fabric of how those kids are being educated. And, you know, social emotional learning, I think, is becoming more of a thing now, and it's pretty awesome. And I, I think it is starting to, uh, people are seeing the value of, of creating culture at a school where we talk about our feelings, where we, if there's a conflict between two students, we, we talk it out and we have a facilitator, a moderator. Um, I think we're seeing this more and more, which is great. Yeah, I think that's true, too. One of the things you've said is that human partnership is the biggest adventure of all, and it's a hero's journey. And, of course, you're referring to Joseph Campbell. For those of our listeners who aren't really familiar with Joseph Campbell, can you fill us in a little bit about how looking at life as a hero's journey can help us in our partnerships? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, I could do a long conversation about this. I'll try to keep this one short, Bruce. Um, <laughs> I, I think when we're young, usually we get hurt. So I'm going to try to simplify this a little bit because uh, i got to develop this to be able to give you the answer that I want to. Um, we get hurt, and in that hurt, we, we sometimes cut off. Most of us cut off from our essence, our truth, and, and who we really are because we want acceptance, right? We don't want to be rejected. And so we start to develop these, what I call strategies, and even a strategic self, it's like that mask we were talking about earlier, uh, to keep connection and not get rejected by people. And we do this in adolescence, we do this in toddlerhood, we do this as adults, when we want to um, meet a great person on a date, we hide parts of ourselves, right? Because we don't want to be rejected. Same with the job. So this becomes kind of the water a lot of people swim in. And when you get in partnership, the good news and the bad news for some people is all of that shit comes out and you can't hide in a long-term relationship. It's very difficult to hide your true self. Uh, same when you become a parent, um, especially if you have more than one child, the, the cauldron gets hotter and your anger comes out and your blame and your fear and your hurt and your you know, you get scared and you get resentful and all this stuff starts to happen. And, and if you don't have any tools, it's a problem, but if you have tools and you have this view that like, oh, this person is just trying to help me be myself and integrate my strategic self and my true self and be be like a, myself, be me, then it's, it's like an amazing hero's journey. It's like, I see my wife as this incredible mirror where I get to come back home to myself, to, to not only to our relationship, but also I get to continue to learn about myself and find out who I really am and what I'm really made of. Because uh, my wife and my kids have shown me, you know, some darker parts of myself that are hard to accept. And I want that. I, I want to be able to grow in that way and, and learn. And um, ultimately, I want to be me, you know? Yeah. A lot of times we have to experience a lot of pain as That's we right. move through, as we're exposed to the real us. Right, and we're mm -hmm. having to face that and be vulnerable, and 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 move forward, face our anger as well. Now, one of your quotes is: "You said a well-lived life is when you feel connected to a special someone, and to a special circle of friends." And these days, with social media, I mean, there's so many ways we can connect, and it seems like the more ways there are to connect the more difficult it is for us to have a really special circle of friends. Yeah. I think there are a lot of 
people in society that are really hurting because we're not connected to a special circle of friends. Agreed. How can we reverse that? Uh, I mean, the I mean, you're kind of saying it, which is to get connected. And um, some of us don't even know that we've settled for mediocre friendships that where we don't feel met, we don't feel seen, we don't feel like they actually know who we really are. And, you know, we have lots of people in our life, but we feel alone. You know, it's like, yeah. it's that feeling I used to have in my 20s. I'd had tons, I figured out how to get tons of friends, but I felt completely alone. Mm-hmm. And that was a bad feeling, right? It's like, I can't, what's going on here? What's wrong? And I think it's because we don't know how to connect at a deeper level. We don't know how, what really, we don't know what's possible, um, that we can have a much deeper relationship, much more fulfilling interaction, even though it's intense some, sometimes and uncomfortable. It's also way more alive and electric and like, oh, this is, this is real. This is like the truth. Um, and, you know, loneliness does, it kills people and, and it sucks to be socially isolated right now. And, um, and it's, it also is, doesn't feel good to have friends and feel alone. So I, I'm like, yeah, get connected. And if, if I, I like to say that if you don't have a lot of friends or you don't feel that, then go hire a coach or a therapist and start to, f- someone really good that can actually cut through your bullshit and see you, see you for who you really are. And then you start to get a a taste of what's, what's possible. And it's like, oh, I can actually be me here and it's safe and it's, I'm accepted. And then you don't want to stay there forever. You don't want to set up shop there. You want to get empowered and eventually leave that and start making friends that this is the norm. We start, we, we tell the truth here and we practice being authentic and we, and we learn how to listen in a way that the other person feels understood. And I see this with our students all the time. They come in like blaming their parent or partner or somebody and they leave like, oh my gosh, I like myself more. I know myself and I'm surrounded by all these people that know me now. And I feel like I have a community for the first time in my life. And these, these are people in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. It's like pretty cool, right? And there's lots yeah. of those kind of places everywhere. I'm not saying this is the only place, but it, it requires some courage to tell the truth relationshipschool.com check it out mindful tribe it sounds like it's an awesome place to be if you're struggling at all in your relationships that's for sure i always ask a question jason about bullying where mindfulness maybe would have made a difference do you have a story you can share with us where maybe you were bullied or a story about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference sure um yeah i was bullied um and i in turn bullied some people um, I mean, gosh, every story mindfulness would have made a difference on every yeah. single one of them. Um, but I, I'm thinking in middle school when I got, um, some big football player, I bumped into him, knocked over his chocolate milk and he just grabbed me by the neck and held me up, you know, mm. and I was this little scrawny kid. I hadn't grown yet. I hadn't gone through puberty and, um, picks me up by the neck and I was just terrified and I ran off and felt so ashamed and embarrassed, you know, because it was in front of like everybody at lunch. Right. You know, and, um, you know, had I been able to, you know, I probably still would have ran off, right? That's a, that's an appropriate thing to do is kind of run from the threat. Sure. But had I been able to kind of round the corner, um, and just sit down outside and just breathe and like Mm -hmm. cry or be with myself and even better had some adult or an older kid been able to hold space for me and like breathe with me and just like hang out while I just move through the kind of trauma and like, it's going to be okay. And man, that would have at every stage and every time I got bullied like that, that would have made a massive difference. 
Jason, as we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. First one is this, okay. who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life? My first uh, big meditation teacher, Reggie Ray, um, changed my life uh, by really teaching me how to be with my experience. Now, you already alluded to this near the beginning of the interview, but I just wanted to get you to expand on it a little bit more. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? Well, I think I used to be so jammed up emotionally and cut off. Now I can be with my sadness, my anger, my rage, my fear, and breathe into it and not run from it. And it's um, incredibly empowering, you know, uh, to welcome whatever's arising. Well, let's talk about breathing. How has breathing been an impact? And how has it kind of been a mindfulness exercise for you in your life to help you? Yeah, um, I didn't really learn much about breathing until meditation, until I started to learn to meditate. And then I learned that there's all kinds of ways to breathe and breathe differently. Um, breathe through the body, breathe through my nose, breathe through my mouth, hold my breath, not hold my, you know, like let out the exhale longer. And uh, I'm still learning. I'm still on that journey and it feels really good and I want to learn more. And um, yeah, I think, I, think, I think it has a big impact on our life, how we breathe. Yeah, I, I do too. If you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, what would that be? Yeah, there's probably two. Reggie Ray's Touching Enlightenment with the Body. Okay. Um, it it's, it's, can be a little dense, but there's some practices in there that are very good in terms of lying down meditation. They're, they're really and great for beginners, mm -hmm. but the content is a little dense because it's a right. lot of Buddhist stuff. Uh, and then I'd say, if you want to learn, learn about your kind of psychology in relationships and meditation mindfulness, I think um, John Wellwood's books, Bruce Tiff's book, um, Jack Kornfield's book, Path with Heart. You know, those, those are some options. Right, right. We'll put those in our show notes at mindfulnessmode.com. And are there any apps which you would recommend that can help with mindfulness? I don't use any apps for mindfulness currently. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's just fascinating what you've been doing. And what year did you start? I think you might have mentioned that already. What year did you start the, uh, the relationship school? Uh, the, our first round was in 2016. Okay. And um, of course, I'd been working with people and groups many years before that. But I, that's when I sort of had the inspiration to um, make it more formal and start a school. Okay, so we can connect at relationshipschool.com. Is there any place else we should go to connect with you? And uh, also, what can we expect to find when we go to your website, relationshipschool.com? Yeah, uh, great. Thanks, Bruce. There's a number of things. You know, you can find our trainings on there, um, our live trainings, our recorded trainings. Um, you can just opt into our email list right on, on the main page there. If you're a coach, you can opt in on that side. If you're just a person who wants relationship advice, you can opt in on that side. Um, our podcast is there. You know, we host our podcast there. And of course, all the places you probably host your podcast, Apple Podcasts, etc. Um, that's probably the best place. And then you can find me on Instagram. It'd be fun to hear from you if you're a listener of Bruce's podcast and you want to ping me on Instagram. I'm pretty active there, at Jason Gaddis, Jason with a Y. 
right? J-A-Y-S-O-N. Gaddis is G-A-D-D-I-S. Jason, thank you very much for being on the show today. It's been really great to talk with you. And and in closing, I wonder if you have a word or two of advice for those of us in relationships just wanting to make them better. Yeah, if I could just say one thing, I'd say the crux of any good relationship is conflict and learning how to work through it to to the place of reconnection and feeling like you're at zero in a good place. And so you must learn how to do conflict if you want to be in successful relationships that are deeply fulfilling. You've got to learn that skill. And it's never too late. It doesn't matter how old you are. Uh, You can learn it. Um, Your brain is plastic. It can be rewired. Uh, So focus on that. Jason, thanks for the work you do in the world with relationships. There are millions and millions of people out there, including me, who need to work on our relationships. We all do. It never stops. Thank you for the work you do, Jason. Yeah, heck yeah. Thank you too, Bruce, for the work you're doing. You're welcome. Bye now. Okay, take care. Thanks for listening, Mindful Tribe. And here's a shout out to our sponsor, the Cascade Hypnosis Center at CascadeHypnosisCenter.com. Maybe you're a coach, maybe you're a healer, maybe you'd just love to help other people. Now you can. You can sign up for training at the Cascade Hypnosis Center and Erica will do an amazing job. And I can tell you that because I have gone through the training. She's absolutely fantastic and she has a great team behind her so consider it think about learning to be a hypnotist because you can truly help change the lives of people who can live a more fulfilled life because of what you have done to help them with their mindset so take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm focus and happiness stay in the mode